There's no hours, there's no minutes, there's no seconds. It's not how time is measured in heaven. Today. So when you hear the angel say, Today is worship day, <laughs> you know that day is worship, and you never know how long it lasts. Amen. So you might as well train yourself here. Otherwise, like I always tell you, you'll be bored sitting in a corner there in the throne room. Praise God. Amen. Hebrews chapter number. Oh, uno. Let's read from verse number one, please. God who had who had, yeah, 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 read. By the prophets, yeah. So, following the context of he, that chapter, we can see that really there the narrative is about Jesus, right? And about how God speaks in these times by Jesus Christ. And then Paul begins to go into a, after revealing something about his nature, he begins to go from chapter 1 right throughout into a comparative dialogue and one of the first things Paul begins to measure or compare Jesus to are the angels so the the entire uh, the entire argument of Paul in Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, is about the supremacy of Jesus Christ. It's about the supremacy or the preeminence of Jesus Christ. So, let's read there. Chapter 2, verse 2, verse 2, verse 2, sorry. So, we see him comparing Jesus to the angel. Right? Let's read. Verse 3. Okay, verse... Yeah, verse 2. Has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Do you want us to stay there? Yeah? Do you want us to stay there? Or should we... 
He says, through whom also he made the worlds. Jesus is the blueprint of creation. So, if, if you read John chapter 1 verse 2 and 3, he says, nothing was made that was made without him. So, there was nothing ever created that was created without the participation, the involvement of Jesus Christ. We can even go as far as seeing the consultation of Jesus Christ. So everything in creation had to be passed by him. So when you look at Jesus, you are looking at the blueprint of creation. He is reflective of every single thing in creation. So when you say, when, when the Bible says, even nature speaks of his divinity, you begin to realize who Jesus is. Jesus is the son by whom God made all things. Telling you that it is Christ functioning as the ability of God because he does it by him. Do you understand? So the enablement of the Godhead comes from Jesus Christ. So he is not just some guy. He is the monarch of the universe. He is the creator. He is the architect. He has the blueprint of all creation. So he says, God made the worlds by Jesus Christ. How? He is the substance of all creation. Listen, Jesus is the makeup of God. The Bible calls him the substance of God, the hypostasis of God. He is what God is made out of. And we are what Jesus is made out of. So every Thing in creation is made out of Jesus. Are you following me? Everything in creation is made out of Jesus. Are you following? Are you following? You following? Like you say man is made out of trees. Again, Jesus is what is responsible for everything physical and collusions. No, Philippians. No, Ephesians. Alright, let's do collusions. Alright, let's start with Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number 1. Ephesians 1. Are we there? Let's read from verse. Ten. Ephesians chapter one, verse ten. We all there? 
let me read that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one where all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him so there is the gathering of all things into one Colossians chapter 1. Verse, I guess, verse 15. Verse 15. With them, he is the image. All right? He is the image. the image, the icon, all right, the representation or the resemblance, okay, or the likeness of the He is in the likeness of the invisible, invisible God, right? He is the image of the Invisible. That's why he says, if you have seen me, you have seen. So God compressed himself into Jesus. So that when you see him, you see God. He is what you cannot see about God. That's who Jesus is. If he is the image of the invisible God, that means... He's the visible aspect or facet of God. So Jesus should be seen. Amen? Okay. Milton, Petop Tong Yagbon, answer this question. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. The Bible says in Revelation chapter number one, it says all eyes will see him. Question is, will that be a vision? Yeah? Will that be a vision? Will it be? Do you think it will be a vision? When the Bible says, all eyes will see him. It won't be a vision. What will it be? Reality. Agreed? 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 All eyes will see him. So will you see him when all eyes see him? Because all eyes will see him, right? So you are a child now, probably never seen him. So when you will, will you see him with everybody else? All right, let me ask it this way. Should you be seeing Christ with everybody else? The day everybody, I'm getting a revelation, or everyone on earth will see him all at the same time. Right? To you, the Christian, is that your lot that you should see Christ 
in the, at the same time, in the same way as everybody else? No. No. So, you are supposed to see him. Should you see him? Who doesn't agree? You can't see Jesus. You can't, you can't see Jesus. All right. Matthew chapter 5, 5 says what? Blessed are the... Blessed are the... For they shall... For they shall... Oh, really? They shall see who? It says the pure in heart, right? They shall see God. Now, how, are, how, are the, how do the pure in heart look like? The pure in heart, how do they look like? <laughs> yeah? yeah? How do they look like? Yeah, yes. How do they look like? <laughs> Amen? Is the way they dress? <laughs> Is there a way they talk? Yeah? Uh, is there a way they dress, they talk, they dress their hair? There's no way. So how can, how can we really tell that that one is pure in heart, that one is not pure in heart? Not hearts. We cannot see it. He can. That's a, that's, he can see it. We cannot. So, at any given point in time, me and you cannot know that we have a pure heart or an evil heart. Remember, the default heart of a human being, the Bible says is evil. Again, the default heart, everybody, every, every, everybody's heart is born evil deceitful above all things that's 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 the state of every man's heart and for god to say or for the bible to say blessed are the pure in heart implies that the heart there are hearts that are not pure that are evil and we know that every heart is every heart every Every is evil. Don't don't deceive yourself. What like in a little Philippine? How na yona? How na how na yona? Let's settle that thing. How na pilu e pila? How na yona? Like in a little no. How na yona? No, robots are on iron. Yeah? Robots are on iron. Robots. 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 And you know by proof. Horki. Robots are going to be on the barbon. Ashuke. Robots are going to be on the Philippines. Leban Loi, Baba Hole. 
Otwasije in the school of life. So nobody has a pure heart. Every person's heart is in. How? Okay, remember the, the rich young ruler? The, the rich young man? He said to Jesus, I know that you are. And what, what did Jesus say? He said, brother, stop right there. There's no one good except God. Was Jesus saying he himself was not good? He's God, right? So, he, he, what he was trying to show us was the source of all goodness. So, no man can be good independent from God. How na moto osaizing mudimu olukile? <laughs> so the Bible says, blessed are the pure in. So if that's the case, that means our hearts can be purified. I get our hearts can be purified. So the purification of the heart is a process. Right? So he's telling us that what determines whether or not one sees God is not that God wills it but the state of the heart the nature of the heart is that the pure in heart will see god if you are pure in heart he says you will see god so it's not really a question of will we see god or not it's a question of the state of our hearts so any Christian who says, I cannot see God, what's the answer? Your heart is? Your heart is? Your heart is? So you've never seen God because your heart is? You haven't seen God already because your heart is? Amen. You have an evil heart. That's why you can't see. It tells you something. It tells you that the state of your heart affects your vision. It affects your vision. And God gave us the process of purification. So, in he, Matthew 5, 5, he says, Blessed are the, the katario in heart. For they shall see God. The word there is not holy. The word refers to the cleansing process that takes place within the heart. And Jesus gave us that agent of cleansing. John chapter 15 verse 3. You are, you are, you are clean. You are clean. So Jesus uses the same word that he used in Matthew 5, 5. When he said, blessed are the pure in heart. Which refers to 
being ceremoniously or ceremonially clean. So Jesus in John 15 says, you are clean because of what? The logos. So logos or the word of God is the cleansing agent of your heart. So what would determine that you really see Jesus is the amount of the operation of logos in your heart. Because logos catarias the heart, cleanses the heart. You are clean because, he says the reason you are clean is because of the word. So if somebody is going to be pure in heart, the process of the cleansing agency of the word needs to take place. Agreed? 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 So, it's a science. It's a spiritual science. If I want to see, because the state of my heart affects my vision, my sight in the spirit, and the word that he uses for see is optimal. It means to see in the light of day. It's not kazaa uh, or behold. No, it's optimal. It means to see with your eyes wide open. So the, what he's talking about here is open vision. What is referred to as open vision. So open vision is the highest manifestation of, of vision, but the lowest revelation. So you can reach a state in your life in God where you can open your eyes and see man or see God or spirit beings as you do man. That all depends on the state of your the state of your. The state of your it tells you if you want to see more whether through vision or through dreams you have to undergo cleansing by the word and and interestingly jesus does not use the word rema he uses it in verse 7 but in verse 3 he doesn't use it he uses the word logos so any child of god that cannot clearly see the spirit is because of the state of their heart. And you can know when you are losing sight in the spirit. And that tells you, hey, sort out your heart. That was just to help you. All right. There's another, another one, right? There's another one. John 14. Let's, let's look at John 14. We see how trappy Milton move. Let's lap a digi pazotswa. 
So, you read that, right? Let's read. You will know that I am in my and you in now, verse 21. And verse 21. He who has my and it is he who so Jesus' love is not emotional. Oh, Lord, I love you. Uh, that, that, it don't work. It don't work. It, it don't work. It don't work that way with Jesus. It don't work that way. With Jesus, he says, he that loves me is he that has my commandments. In other words, there's a sense of knowledge about what Jesus has commanded. And who keeps them, who treasures them, who guards them. It is he who loves me. Correct? And he who loves me will be loved by my Ashidiu. Who he who loves me will be loved by my and I will I will I will and do what? Hmm. Ashidiu. And I will now let's read that again again. Let's read it. He mm -mm. verse 15, comma oh, no, that verse you were reading. Yeah, come on now. No, I mean 21, verse 21, sorry, verse 21. 
<laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Verse 21, read it. He who has my commandment, Chris, come on. Uh, what Bible are you reading? Relax, relax. Verse 21. He who has my 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 yeah he who has them and keeps them let's read so wait Adam Papabon right he fell because he didn't love God he died because he didn't love God so the difference between Adam and Jesus is that Adam did not love God. Jesus loved God. Oh, Pastor, can you prove it? Yes. Jesus says in John chapter 5, he says, I love my father. And the father loves the son and shows him all things. And he will show him things greater than this for your sake. Here, God gave Adam a commandment. Thou shalt not eat. So the whole test was the test of love. Yes. What, what, what's the greatest commandment in the Bible? No, say it out. The greatest commandment in the Bible, say it out. The, thou shalt love the Lord. Nah, -uh. Thou shalt love the Lord thy with all your with all your with all your <laughs> what the hell is this? <laughs> thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. <laughs> thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Again. It's only when you get to the New Testament that Jesus added another thing. So the greatest commandment is, Thou shalt love the Lord thy with all your, with all your, and with all your. Try not mind. Mind the equal New Testament. We in the old. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your, with all your, and with all your. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your, with all your, and with all your. That's the greatest commandment. What's the second greatest? Thou shalt love thy, as you love thy. So really, the second greatest is loving your. Uh -uh. The emphasis is not, how do you love your neighbor? If you can't love yourself. So the, really the emphasis. Of the second commandment. Is loving yourself. So loving God. And then loving yourself. Because he didn't say you will love your neighbor. As you love God. You understand? He didn't say you will love your neighbor. As you love God. He says love thy neighbor. As you love thyself. So how you will treat your neighbor. Is reflective of or will be reflective of how you treat yourself so what's important there is self-love because if you love yourself 
you love others. Batuba sa rating batuba bang we bona self abatitat. It's Bible principle. You cannot love somebody beyond how much you love yourself. That's those are the two great commandments. The, Jesus said, "In this is all the law and the prophets." So all this, thou shalt not murder. All they are encased in these two commandments: loving God and loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Why didn't Jesus say, "Love your neighbor as you love God"? Why didn't he say that? Why didn't God? Say, he could have phrased it like that, right? Love your neighbor as you love God. But he said, "No, love your neighbor as you love yourself." So self-love is important. Amen. Self-love is you cannot love anybody beyond the way you love yourself. See that? You see that? See that? So, those are the two great commandments. And Jesus said, if you fulfill these two, you fulfill the whole law. So, the test really that God was giving Adam was the test of was the test of not the test of power or authority because you had already given him authority the test was the test of love do you love me so when god commands he commands as what as trialing you in love so how you grow in loving God is through what? Emotional blackmail. Prayer rallies. Obedience. Obedience to his commandments. That's how God measures your love toward him. So Jesus says in verse 21, He who has my commandments and keeps them it is he who let's read let's read let's read let's read let's read verse 21 let's read selling at the let's read let's read it is he who he who keeps and has who has and keeps my commandments it is he who and then listen to where he goes now and he who he who and he who so he he already defined the one who loves him right it is he who has his commandments right and he who loves me yeah so doesn't the father love everybody so now, why is Jesus all of a sudden singling out the love of the Father? He's making it special. He who loves me will be loved by my Father. Doesn't the Father already love you? He does, right? And then, read again. And I will love him. Mm. And so, when I love to Jesus, I'm Oh, eh. I think you. 
Right? Mara Jesus has shown me about the Bible. He showed me about the Bible. But he loves everybody. Right? So, from this verse, we can see that there is the general love of God and there is the specialized form of God's love. Amplified. Who has amplified? Tuli? You have amplified? Or you changed your... Or you have it. Please, please read it. From 21, yes. The person who has my commandments yep. and keeps them is the one who really loves me. Y- yep. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my father. Mm-hmm. And I will love him and reveal myself to him. I will make myself real to him. Do you hear that? So the love Jesus is talking about is the love of revelation. <laughs> it's the same thing that he spoke about when he said, The father loveth the son. And he shows him, reveals to him all things. So there is a love that God extends toward a man that causes him to show himself. Reveal himself. Oh. Oh. So from this, it's simple to see Jesus. It's easy. It's mechanical. It's a process that is attainable. Did you see Abraham running up and down, having all night prayers? Yeah? When you read the Bible. Did you see him going up and down, walking, pacing the floor, pacing his tent at night praying? But the Bible would say, and God descended. God appeared too. Why would God do such a thing? Abraham really has never really covered hours in prayer like you have. Or let's be honest. Let's be honest. He, he has not prayed as much as me and you. And let's be honest. But he owns the whole world. Uh, he owns the whole world. Yes, I want to say this, but it's fine. I will not say it. I will not say it. I will not embarrass, embarrass you. But you see it. Ne? It's clear. Can you see it? Jesus manifests himself to those who love him. Amen. So where does that lead you? Because truly, really, there are Christians who have no sense of the reality of Christ. They have no, they, they. Love. See that? What? Love. He who loves me says, I will love him. There's another. Okay, let's read, let's read the other one. Let's read the other one. Verse 23. Okay, verse 22. Judas, not Iscariot, he's asking now, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us? That's emphanizo, right? It, it means to 
to, 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 to be real. So he says, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone, if anyone, if anyone, if anyone, if anyone, if anyone, he will do what? Well, uh, he will do what? <laughs> he will do what? Yeah. And my father will? Ashirif. And my father will? You know what that means? He says, my, fa my father, the word is like a power. In other words, you'll be a beloved to God. God will entertain you. That's what it means. God will entertain you. So he says, and my father will love him. Come on. And my father will love him and... Oh. <laughs> we will... And make our menor. In other words, we will make our residence in him. Amplified to live. If anyone really loves me, mm. they will keep my word mm. and my father will love him. Now, 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 imagine all, all of this is revolving around one thing keeping his word. He, my father will? He will love him. Yeah. It, do, do you hear what the word there? The word come means we will migrate. We will migrate and make our home in Him. He's talking about a man becoming the embodiment of God. A man embodying the essence, the nature, the fullness of God. Jesus, we will come and make our home. Home. Home is where you live forever. And not rent. He said, no, reside. Become residents in him. Anyone who keeps my word. There are dimensions of logos. There are dimensions of the word. That my brothers and my sisters, we are yet to discover. Once we really understand the word of God what it is, who it is, and the possibilities it offers us, you'll be gone in life. You'll be gone in life. The issue is that we don't, we, we don't believe. We think we do, but we really don't. Okay, let, let me show you something. My story with you is about angels, right? But I need to go through this so that when I start teaching you there, you'll understand. Mpuleleng, Matthew 6, please. Matthew 6, I want you to read from verse 30, right into verse 34. I want to show you some few things there. How the kingdom works. You there? 6, let's read. Yeah? 
Read. Now, if God, if God so, if God so, if God so, clothes the the grass of the field, which today and tomorrow is, will he not much more clothe? Yeah? There's a reason why Jesus says that. There's a reason why Jesus says that. If God... Oh, okay. Verse 27. Verse 27. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to its stature? Has worrying made you grow? Who has ever worried and grew an inch? Jesus is asking a question. Have you ever worried? And then all of a sudden, saw yourself growing taller. Eh? Eh? So, worrying has never added stature in your life. It's Jesus. You see, Jesus' words are spiritual. They are not scientific in communication. See, because scientific might, might you know how it, scientific communication sounds deep. <laughs> no, and the aerodynamics of the Pisces, no, 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 that's scientific language. Jesus, he speaks like he's a karatenas olo. When he speaks, but what he's saying is spiritual. So he says, who of you, by worry, can add a cubit? A cubit, a cubit is the measurement between, uh, from your elbow to your, to your head. Has ever added a cubit to your stature? He's, he's trying to show you something. He's, he's trying to show you something. It's not worry that adds inches to your height. Okay. Okay. Preach, boy. Preach. Preach. Come on. Come on. Are you there? So, verse 28. So, why do you worry about clothing? Do you get that? Do you get that? Okay. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Obviously, the answer is no one. So why do you worry about clothing? He asked them before. He said to them, Therefore, I said to you, do not worry about your life. This is Jesus. He says, do not worry about your life. What you will eat, 
or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So why do you worry about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon, Solomon, Solomon okay? the Bible says even Solomon, arrayed in all his glory, in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. The lilies of the field. He says even Solomon's glory is incomparable to them. You know Solomon's glory? The one when the king and Sheba entered and he saw how the servants were. He saw the palace. She, the Bible says there was no more spirit left in her. How she fainted. When she saw the servants. How the servants were dressing like kings. God says consider the lilies. And these same lilies today are tomorrow they are not. They have much more glory than Solomon. Yet they don't last. Think about this. Think, think about it. These things have more glory than Solomon. The lilies of the valley. They have more glory than the glory of Solomon. Right? But today they are. Tomorrow they are put into the oven. Have you ever seen the flowers grow? Those roses? Beautiful. So beautiful. Tomorrow you look at dead. And God says, God says, the God who clothes the lilies is, is he not capable of clothing you much more than they? So God is trying to introduce you to a glory greater than the glory of the lilies, which was greater than the glory of Solomon. <laughs> because he's not comparing you to Solomon. He's comparing you to the glory of the lilies that is greater than Solomon's. And he's saying he's able to clothe you much more than he clothes the lilies of the valley which neither toil nor speak. They don't work for their glory. They don't labor for their glory. So you ask, but then why isn't God doing it? That's that's the issue Jesus is dealing with here. That's what Jesus is dealing with here. Why you are not seeing it? Let's read. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown to the oven, will he not much more clothe thee, O you of little faith? Therefore, he's saying it again. Right? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? He says, therefore, do, do not what? The word there is care. He says, do not care. Do not care. What shall you eat? What shall we wear? What shall we drink? For all these things the Gentiles seek, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. So here's a question. 
God knows you need angit. Knows you need clothes, food, drink, right? He knows you need all these things. And here, he's referring to the basic human needs of life. He knows you need them. The Gentiles are up four o'clock in the morning, busy, up until the door, I mean the setting of the sun, seeking after these things. God says, he knows you need them. But then he left a clue there as to why the needs are not met. What was the clue? Oh, you of little faith. So, to have the providence or the provisions of God in our lives, little faith is not enough. So, the absence of faith is what causes what? Is what causes our needs not to be met. If you had the faith, the needs would be met. The labor of the Christian is to enter into God's rest. Is to enter into the dimension of life where finally they have been persuaded by what God said. That is your journey in Christian law. To journey into the place where you are persuaded that what God said is reality. So he says, if you want your needs met, worry must not be present. Anytime you find yourself concerned, worried about a certain aspect of your life, automatically the channel is seized from opening. The channel is seized from functioning. It will not. No miracle happens in the environment of worry. It's impossible. You can't worry and have a miracle. You can't worry and see the hand of God. You can't worry and see the provisions of God in your life. It doesn't happen. So Jesus, don't worry about your life. What is he telling you? He's trying to drive your focus to something higher. Let's go back to Hebrews. You see, you see how hard it is for, for us to talk about some realities of the kingdom? It's because these are basic things in our tenant of faith that we are still struggling to grasp. If Jesus said, I, he, said, he, he, said he, he said, what more when we speak of heavenly things? If you, if you do not understand earthly matters. What more when we start talking about heavenly things? What will happen to your brain? Nicodemus was already blown up. Yet Jesus was talking to him about earthly things, earthly matters. Being born again. To Jesus it was an earthly matter. Because Dima said, must I go again into my mother's womb and come back again? She said, I'm fanatic. Boy, you still have a long way to go. Jesus said to her, are you a teacher of the law? 
Are you a teacher of the law? I have no clue what we're talking about. Here's the problem in Christianity. The big problem in Christianity is that we have not yet understood that life is meant to be lived. Jesus said, I have come that they may have and live life. You, can, you, you don't have life and not live it. And the problem, that's the major problem in Christianity, is that the entire framework of Christianity is church-minded. Is religious. We are religiously programmed. So we, we end up not living as we are supposed to live because we have no concept, no understanding of the concept of life that Jesus came to bring us. Is it possible to live life and not worry? Jesus says it. He says, do not worry. If he tells you, don't do something, it means you have the capabilities of not doing it. He's telling you, you don't thank you, Lord. He's telling you, you don't have to work for the provision of basic needs. Anytime, everybody that's toiling for the human basic needs is outside the dimension of the kingdom and faith. Because God is saying the thing that the Gentiles are seeking after, your father knows that you need them. He says, the birds of the air, they don't toil. The grass, the lilies of the field, they don't toil, yet your father feeds them. Will he not much more feed you? Will he not much more clothe you? So there are things a child of God is not supposed to go to work for. It's things that are supposed to come as a result of your birthright. So the channels that are responsible for bringing those supernatural provisions are clogged up, are blocked, are hindered, are closed because there's worry. There's worry. How do we worry about food, clothing and shelter? And engage in angelic ministry. <laughs> Thing is, we are yet to be persuaded. See, if I wasn't a pastor, I don't think there's any church I'd attend today. I'm being honest with you. I don't think there's any church I would attend today. Because the holistic, the counsel of God, the entirety of God's counsel is missing from the church. Today, 80% in the body of Christ are not concerned about what God instructed them to do. What they are concerned about is growing a ministry, growing a following, Getting network, sucking money out of people. Don't you realize Christians are the most depressed people in our world today? It's because they enter into church doors and the preacher offers them and promises them the whole world. 
And the only person that comes out of the church happy at the end of the service is the preacher. Imagine Jesus batched the entire establishment. I mean, that is the, 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 the Sanhedrin had been established since the, the, the days of the Maccabees. It's about 2,000, 3,000 years before Jesus Christ came. And he came and crushed the entire establishment. He called them hypocrites. And I think he called this generation too a bunch of hypocrites. Because if we still cannot grasp and fully comprehend the elementary principles of the gospel, the basic tenets of the gospel, Paul says you, we should be talking about higher things than this. But because you are dull of hearing, unskillful in the word of righteousness, you are babes having need of milk and not solid food. For solid food belongs to them who by reason of exercise have trained their senses to discern both evil and good. If all you're doing is waking up in the morning, going to work for food, going to work for clothing, going to work for all these things, you're, you are like Esau. You have forfeited your inheritance. See, you, you, you realize when you read the Bible, because the Bible is a mirror, you realize I'm too far away from all these things. If a preacher, if a preacher preaches to you, my sister, about God pro providing, God doing what, and then after service on Monday, he calls you borrowing money. You must ask him, well, what is, you, you must question why you are in that church in the first place. What, if, what are you doing in a church where the preacher is, is preaching you, is preaching to you about something he's not living? God can provide. God can. And then Monday, you're for Nena. you know, I need to pay. I need to pay something. Please uh, help me. Borrow me. What? What are you? You ask, but you were telling me on Sunday, God provides. So that tells you, that tells you, that should tell you that there's no prayer you're going to pray that God is going to answer for you because your same preacher that's telling you about the God who provides is borrowing from you. How are you going to experience answered prayer? If your preacher... He's not living by faith because he's not willing to suffer for the truth he professes to speak. If you are a preacher 
I'm just showing you the hypocrisy that exists in the church. If you say you are a preacher, you believe in the Bible that God provides and you preach it and the next morning you have needs that need to be met and you be willing, if, if you are willing to suffer for that too, then you are worthy of followership. You are worthy of followership. See how, how hypocritical You see that? Hebrews chapter 1. I mean, Colossians, that's where we ended. Colossians 1. And then we'll backtrack. <laughs> Colossians 1. We there? We were reading verse uh, 19, eh? We're reading verse 15. All right, let's read verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of the first of all. <laughs> For by him all things were created that are in and that are on visible land whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created through and for him and he is before all things and in him all things consist all physical things all spiritual things everything in heaven everything on earth he says they exist for him and because of him Jesus. G. Jesus. So when, when Paul goes in Hebrews to compare Jesus with all these aspects in life, with the angels, with the law, with Moses, with Abraham, and all, and all these other things, he's trying to reveal to man the supreme primacy of Christ. So, in his discourse in Hebrews, he begins on that tangent. Let's read. So he says, who being the brightness through whom he also made the worlds, through who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much, so much, you know, the word there is, is, <laughs> Is interesting. Is interesting because he's referring to the serviceability of Jesus. The word there refers to the usefulness of Christ. So 
you, you could read that as having become so much useful or so much serviceable then the reader then then so Jesus is much more excellent much more useful much more serviceable much more noble much more better than the angels he is much more so so in, in, in the class of creation, the angels don't come close to Jesus. Are you following me? Irrespective of their dignity, their power, their excellence, their might, they don't come close. There are angels that are bigger than Jesus in, in strength, in size, they, yet they still don't come close to him. There are angels that are more bulkier, more, more muscular than Jesus. Angels that are bigger than planets. Remember in Revelation chapter 1, the angel whose foot, one foot touched the sea, one foot touched the earth. How, think, how, how big do you think that angel is? The Bible says he was clothed with the sun. So it, it, it tells you how big that angel was. So the angels that are big like that, yet they don't come close to Jesus. So, Jesus, having become so much better than the angels. Notice, the Bible says, he became. He wasn't, he became. <laughs> okay. <sighs> Let's read. Having become so much better than the as he, by inheritance, obtained a more excellent name so what puts jesus on a class above the angels is what is the inheritance of a name a name so it was onomar that pushed the excellency of jesus beyond that of angels the usefulness of christ beyond that of angels now i want to, i want you i want you to Keep in mind the word usefulness because it will make better sense once we begin to explain this. So, Jesus, look at it. The Bible tells us who Jesus is, right? He's the icon of God, excellence, made what God upholds all things by the word of his power. And then the Bible says, who after he, after he purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty. Then he says, he has become. Telling us, oh, he, he, really he was not. Okay, let's qualify that. Chapter 2, go to chapter 2 quickly. Are we there? Okay. Verse number 9. Please read it. But we see, but we see, who was Oh, wait, who was? Come on now, come on. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. Let's read. But we see Jesus. But we see Jesus, who was? Made. Who, who was what? Made. Hey, made what? A little lower than I man, read your Bible. Read, read, read. But we see Jesus, who was? Who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. 
So the re so listen, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. So Jesus, right, in his in his in his pristine existence before he came into the earth, when he was still the word of God, the Son of God, right? He was above the angels, right? In everything because he was God, correct? And then he came down to earth. When he came down to earth, what happened? He was made a little lower than the angels. So when he walked the earth, he was subject to the angels. For the suffering of death. So the reason why was because he had to suffer death. So God had to keep him below the stature of angels. So he walked the earth subject to the angels. Right? Then he dies. When he dies, he inherits a name. That name puts him above the angels in what? In serviceability, in usefulness. So Jesus, as it is now, is much more useful, much more serviceable, much more active, excellent than every other angel in existence because of the name because of so the name gave jesus what his pristine authority remember what he said grant me now glorify me with the glory which i had with you before the world so the authority that he had before the world the name now gives it back to him but this time he, he inherits the name not for himself. He inherits the name for the heirs of God. You following? So, the usefulness of Christ, the excellency of Christ, being much more than those of the angels, is for the sake of the heirs. Because... The heirs have always been subject to the angels. If you read in Genesis, you will find that the Bible tells us that the angel of the Lord said to Jacob, I will not leave you until I perform what I have promised. So you see throughout the Bible that men were subject to angels. Moses had to be led by an angel. Abraham had to be led by an angel. So, the angels, before the inheritance of a name, were above, superior to man, because of the fallen state of man. But that was not the order. That is why the perfection of the operation of man and angels is only fulfilled when we come into Christ and the church age. So the excellency of Christ is for your sake. And Paul will begin to articulate and express that thought. Let's read. Continue. For, let's go back to chapter 1, chapter 1, chapter 1. 
For to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son? Today I've begotten you. To which of the angels has he ever said, you are my son? And again, I will be a father to him and he shall be a son. But when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all angels of God. Jesus is the first man to be worshipped by angels. Let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, he who makes his angels spirits. You see that? And his ministers, a flame of fire. So, in the same way that there are angels that are stronger in might than Jesus, stronger in physical stature than Jesus, but not stronger or more excellent than him. That same Grace or privilege or honor has been bestowed on the heirs. Because he has never called an angel a son, but he calls you a son. He has not brought the angels to the seat of his right hand, but he has brought you through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You, you follow? You follow? Let's read. But to the son he says, to the son he says, your throne, O God, is forever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore God, your God is anointing, God anointing God. Your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation to the son. He's saying this to the son. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hand. They will perish, but you remain. They will grow like a garment, like a cloak. You will fold them up, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and you will not fail. Your years will not fail. But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies footstool? Then Paul concludes his thesis when he says, Are they not? Are they not? Are they not? Uh, you, know what Paul is say, you know what Paul is trying to do? Did, did, can you see what he's trying to do? Men before Christ have been fixated on the superiority, the supremacy of angelic forces. But Paul is trying to show you that these ones, these ones, in all their splendor, in all their glory, in all their might, they are still seven. So it's time to elevate the consciousness of the Christian to the place of Christ. To see angels as they should be seen. Because there are people who honor angels more than they do Jesus. There are people who love, who worship angels more than they do Jesus. That's why you have the Roman Catholic. They rather pray to Michael than to Jesus. They rather pray to Gabriel than to Jesus. Yet who's more excellent? Do you see that? So he's trying to give you the right perception that you should have about angels. They are ministers. Are they not all ministers? Are they not all servants of all those who will be called heirs of salvation? Not all. Are they not all? He didn't say some of them. Even the highest ranking officials, the highest sentinels, the highest watchers, 
in the kingdom, they are servants. Servants for the heirs of salvation. Why? Because of the inheritance of the name. And angels exist for one purpose. Do you know? Okay. Psalm 105. That means you can send angels on errands. You can send angels to run errands for you. When Daniel was praying, did God leave his throne? Huh? Did God leave his throne? Who Daniel said? Who God said? And the angel said, I have I've been sent from where? So the angel was sent to Daniel. By who? He says, from the first day you prayed, your prayers were heard and a command was given. So God said, Gabriel, go! And Gabriel had to go. My brothers and my sisters, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say something to you. Alright? It's going to shock you. But it's going to heal you. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The captain of the Lord's army. Is subject to the name of Jesus. Jesus said this. He said. The advocate or the helper. Whom the Father will send in my name. So the name is given for the release, the dispersion of spirits. So spirits obey the name. He said, Whom the Father, said the helper, the Allos Paracletos, the Father will send. He didn't say he will just send him. No, he said he will send in my name. So the Spirit is sent out, been working in the name of Jesus. So if the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, the God who is equal to the Godhead, is subject and op operating within the parameters, the jurisdiction of the name, then all other angels must obey. He had given him a name. That is above every name. That at the name of Jesus. At the. At the. Every. 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 So everything that has a name must bow. Of things where? In heaven. Of things on earth. Of things under the earth. 
So the supremacy of Christ is revealed in what? In the dispatching of angels. So, so when, when God says go, or when Jesus says go to an angel, and that angel goes, that reveals how superior Christ is. The Bible calls him the head of every principality. He's the head of every principle. All principalities and thrones exist from him. And that's why the Bible never said at the writing of the name. It said at the mention of the name. So that name is respected among angels. It says you have come unto Mount Zion, unto the innumerable company of angels. What are they there to do? Listen, angels were not created to go on holiday. Their work is to serve the heirs of salvation. Read your Bible. It says to minister for them, not to them. There is a dimension where the angels minister to you like they did with Jesus in the wilderness. And they did with him in Gethsemane. But there's an element where the angels minister for you. I will show you something. Matthew. We'll, go, we'll, end, with, we'll end with Psalm. Blessed Jesus. <laughs> One day Benny Hinn was giving a story. <coughs> and he says, there was a period in his life when he was going under attack. So, what happened was while he was in his room praying he says a huge grotesque looking demonic being came in he says you are seeing it literally held him by the throat held him by the throat sucking all the air out of him pressed him against was it the floor of the bed? I can't remember. He pressed him down. And the angel gave a grin. As, and when he was dying, literally, he was dying. He said, all of a sudden, the room was filled with light. And an angel came in. You know, you know like how it happens in superhero movies? It says an angel came in. He uppercutted that devil. <laughs> <laughs> he uppercutted that devil. A devil hit him. You know, that devil hit the ceiling, fell to the ground, and the angel held the that demon. So there were two. So while he was holding it, the angel said to the other angel, he said, Gabriel, look after him, I'm coming back. 
And that angel and that demon disappeared. And Gabriel told him that that was Michael. What a life. What a life. <laughs> let's read, let's read, let's read. <laughs> wow. Huh? <laughs> he's deep, he's deep. He's deep, huh? <coughs> Matthew 26. Matthew 26. Verse 50. But Jesus said to him, remember Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was of this world, my servants would fight. Now, which servants did Jesus have? So which servants were Jesus talking about? So verse 15 says, but Jesus said to him, friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. But Jesus said to him, Put your sword in its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? That, that statement is big. That statement is big. Because you know what it shows you? <coughs> it shows you that Jesus chose to be arrested by them. Jesus said, do you not now think I cannot now ask my father and he will provide me with 12 legions. 12, 12 legions. How much is a legion? Around five, six thousand. So five times twelve? Legions. For, to deal with this matter here. So Jesus said, no, relax. I know what's going on. So, Purposefully, the, he, which, he, he withdrew the angels. The angels were there, but he withdrew them. If those angels were released, what do you think would have happened? All those folks would probably be disintegrated. They would die. In Isaiah, the Bible says God sent an angel that killed an entire city. One. An entire city. In one day. In one. Some chapter 105. So God says, work with the angels is an, an invitation to a ministry of life, a dimension of life 
that provides us access into extreme possibilities. Read verse 30. <laughs> Read verse 30. Read verse 30. I said somewhat. No, no, one of three, one of three. One of three, sorry. <clears throat> we there? All right. Verse one of three. I mean, chapter one of three. Verse number. Verse number 20. Let's read it. Bless the Lord, you who are mighty in strength. Who, 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 yeah. Verse 21. Yeah. Who do. So there you see a glimpse of your reason for being. To do his word. To do his pleasure. So their job is to do what God says that's that's their job if god says go there do that do this they must do it but if you study the story of angels you realize that the dimension they now hold they needed to be trained into it Angels needed to believe God to attain this function in their lives. Okay, pastor. Okay, pastor. If they didn't... Okay. Why did Satan fall? Why did Satan fall? Why Lucifer fall? Huh? It's simple. He did not buy into God's program. He did not buy into God's program. And when you read Isaiah 14, you realize he says, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, implying that he had a will of his own. He can decide. He could choose. And that is not just a categorical thing. It is something that was given to every angel. The ability to choose. So they are not robots. Do you understand? 
They're not robots. Because had there been robots, there would be no fall. Had there been robots, there would be no third of the armies of heaven, of the angels of heaven that sided with Satan. That they were deceived means that they had the ability to think for themselves, independent of God. So the angels that remain must have been the angels that bought into God's program. So they needed to have an element of faith in God. The Bible says, the Bible says you believe, you do well. Even demons believe. If demons believe, don't you think angels believe? Ha! So they didn't just wake up one day and all of a sudden they are doing his word. They are moving throughout the galaxies and act. No, they needed to buy in the program of God. So there was something that needed to be built in them that could sustain them through the generations in doing what God assigned them. So the angels had to buy in what God sold to them. So the excelling or the excellence of strength that they have attained to did not just come. So there must have been a phase in the existence of angels where they graduated. Why does the Bible say that God was seen manifested in the flesh? Seen by angels justified in the spirit why does god need to be justified in the spirit why where does justification takes place justification or justice is rendered in the courts so since the fall of Satan, God must have been held. We don't want to get into those things. But he was justified in the spirit. For who's, who lives in the spirit? So when Christ ascended before the eyes of angels, God was justified. They live in the spirit. We don't live in the spirit. So angels, and, the, and that's the reason why God wants us to work with them, so that we can learn from them. We can, and learn what? Learn what? Learn the thing that they've developed to buy in God's program that we lack. You can see it when you study the story of angels, that there were, there were days, there were, there were eras of trial. Where they were tried. That's why God gave him a wheel. It says, You who do his word. And that's one of the reasons why the Bible says to us be subject to authority because of the angels. Because of the angels.
because of the way they subject themselves to authority. Listen, you, you, you cannot be, you cannot, how do I put this? You cannot be rebellious to authority and have angels working in your life. It's impossible. It's imp the only presence you attract is the presence of devils. He says they do his word. So the reason why they need to work with you is because you are a vessel, you are a custodian, you are an expresser, a vocalizer of the word of the Lord. You read the Bible, you realize it is men who have learned to utter the words of God that have had the greatest assistance of angelic ministries. You don't walk with angels when your mouth is full of unbelief. When your mouth is full of evil reports. I'll show you scripture, but I think I'll show you next week. What have the angels learned about God that we are still to learn? You ask yourself, a third, 33% of all angels that exist followed Satan. Why didn't the other 66? What kept the other 66? Because they couldn't. What kept them? Why did they not? Because the same risks that befell the 33% is the same that the other 66 had to face. We still have a lot to learn. But it is our inheritance. The service of angels is our inheritance. They are there to work for you. And work for you in performing, in fulfilling the word of the Lord. The angel said to Jacob, I will not leave you. There are, there, are, there are prophetic words that angels, certain angels are assigned to that they cannot go back to heaven until they have that prophetic word fulfilled. There are angels that, could, that should have been, should have went back, but they can't. Because they can't, they can't go back to God with empty hands. There must be sheaves in their hands. So some stay aeons, years,
I remember one day. I was sitting on my bed. Never forget it. I was sitting in my bed. And you know, there is there is space in in an environment. They there are locations within within air and every you, you know you look throughout this room right there's air all over right but within air there are there are pockets of access into the spirit I was sitting in my bed and I could tell you from which direction the voice was coming and a voice spoke, said, I'm Gabriel. Never forget it. You, 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 it wasn't an echo. It was, it was like a vibration. The words speak, but you will hear them 15 more times after they've been said. I'm Gabriel. I've been sent from the presence of God. And he said what he said to me. And then I turned. I looked the direction where the voice was coming from and I saw the angel of God. One day during my times of meditation these are things that happened to me almost almost regularly. I was reading, I was reading I think it was Exodus 14 about the Exodus of the children of Israel and the angel of God appeared from my right and he said we are those that assisted the angel of the Lord in the exodus of the children of Israel can tell you exactly what he was wearing and he said we've been working with man since the beginning of time and then he gave me some instructions to pray for, for, for someone else but this is a dimension that, that every child of God is given the liberty to access one day, Hagen was praying, and in his prayer, <laughs> in his prayer, he had been praying about some things, moving into a new office, and getting his uh, messages, sermons on tape. So, he, during healing school, they were having a prayer session, so he was sitting up on the platform. And so, while he was praying, he was on his knees. So, while he was praying, he said, he heard a voice say, turn. So, he turned and he saw Jesus. So, he saw Jesus. And he saw a huge angels. They were about eight, eight to nine foot tall. So he said, Jesus began to talk to him about his ministry and things like that. So he said, he noticed something. That whenever he turned to look to the angel, the angel kind of like motioned to, to say something. But when he turned back to look at Jesus, the angel would keep quiet. So after Jesus finished speaking to him, he asked Jesus, hey, who is this here? Jesus says, that is your angel. And Hagen said, my angel. And Jesus said, yes, just because you grow up does not mean you lose your angel. And he has come here to give you a message. And Hagen said, I was offended. I said, but Lord, you are here. Why don't you give me a message? 
Why don't you give me the message? Why do I need to hear it from the angel? You are here. And Jesus said to Hagar, these are my operations. This is how I work. And Hagar said, yes, sorry, Lord. And when he turned to look, Jesus said to Hagar, ask him, why have you come? And Hagar looked to the angel and said, why have you come? And the angel said, I am your angel. And I've been sent to tell you that this, this person and this person is lying to you. Don't listen to him. This and that, that you should not do. And in 30 days, you will have this and amount of money to start your office there, 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 there. And then the angel said to him, I have other angels of mine who will do this. And Hagen looked at him and he said, others. He said, yes, for I have others under me. Years later, the same angel taught him how to bring money, how to make his provisions met. God said to him, that's how I learned about liberty and finances. He said he was crying during Christmas, people were giving peanuts, you know, and he needed to go back home, bring presents to children, take care of the wife for Christmas, and there was no money. And so he was starting to cry to God, and God said, don't cry to me, there's no money up here. <laughs> he said when he heard that, when he heard that, he muted. Then he asked the Lord, so then, how must I get the money? God said, command the ministering spirits to go forth and bring forth the money that you need and tell Satan to take his hands off your finances and the money shall come. And he said he did it. And in two days, he had the money he needed. Years later, he taught him, it is because of learning how to work with the angels and the ministry of angels. It is available for every child of God. What's important is to grasp the understanding of the way of the Lord in this area. When you learn it, you learn in life that you are not alone. You learn in life that they that be with you are more than they that be with them. You learn in life that they are those who are and have your back. Christians have a lot more support structure than they realize. Problem is, we don't have the faith to conceptualize that reality. Imagine what would our life look like if we learned to cooperate with these ministers that God assigned over our lives. What would our life be like? If we learn, I remember I was praying for one lady a couple of years ago. She came with her with her CVs, so she asked me to pray. So I took them, I laid my hands on them. As I laid my hands on them, I saw an angel. Never forget it. I saw an angel with the same documents that I was praying for. The angel 
got to a table. And in those tables, there were piles of other CVs. Right? <laughs> the angels took the piles of the CVs, put them on one side, took that CV and put it on top. Angel walked out of that building, walked out that room. I finished praying. The next week, that lady got a job. The company that she was praying to get into, she got that job. What made it possible? The angels. The angels. The angels. <laughs> if you're going to win in life, if you're going to experience the victories of God in life, you must embrace this ministry. You must believe in it. There's a book I read years ago, Angels on Assignment. It changed my life forever. I think it's written by Ronald Buck or something. Book changed my life forever. Look at the angel that came to Mary. She says, oh Mary, oh beloved of God, I've been sent here with a message that you shall bear a son and he shall be the deliverer of Israel. And the angel said to Mary, there shall be a performance of that which God has spoken. The time has come, my brothers and my sisters, to let go and to lay a hold of the realities available for us in the kingdom. He says those who are heirs of salvation, they are ministers, or those who are heirs of salvation. That means at any given point in time when there's a need, you can stand in the presence of God and say, Father, I thank you. And in the name of Jesus, I send out ministering spirits to attend to that case. And they will go. Imagine, Higgins said, I, I told the ministering spirits to bring forth the money I needed. And he, he mentioned it to bring forth. They brought it. And I said, that can be my life too. That can be my testimony in life too. There are possibilities that exist for me and you by virtue of whose we are. We are heirs of salvation. And what the Spirit of God was trying to give us last week was a glimpse into this dimension that if we have the understanding and the faith we can operate successfully and effectively with these ministries and have objectives about our lives about our destiny about the purposes and plans of God met The first time in my life, an angel told me his name. I was praying, I was on my knees. And the angel said, look here. 
Have you ever seen a black angel? <laughs> black and bold. You are standing in the corner of my room and he told me his name. That's the first time I heard a name of an angel. You see, with Jacob, he didn't need to give him his name. With Daniel, he didn't waste time. Say, I'm Gabriel. He didn't wait for him to ask him one word. No, he said, I'm Gabriel. With that one, who are you? He says, hey, it's not your business. But you need to start seeing the ministry of angels for what it really is and angels for who they really are. They are not superior to you. They are not superior to you because you have inherited a name by which every other thing in the universe is subject to. I can almost hear God say, what is the struggle? Why must you struggle? Have I not given you help? Have I not sent you help? It's possible. It's possible. We just need to turn on our faith. And obviously faith is strengthened by understanding. It's strengthened by knowledge. The more we know, the more we learn, the more we grow into this field and we work. I told you, stop thinking like an African. Think like a child of God. Africans are broke are battered, are in the dark. Christians are the light of the world. You lead the lifestyle your mindset has adopted. Think about it. You can be in your room and you say, Father, I command the angels to assist in helping my business grow. <laughs> I command the angels to open the doors that are necessary to be opened. You see, in this dimension, you must know how to use words. Because in the spirit, words are technologies of creation. In this dimension, if you don't learn how to use words appropriately, oh, you won't have things happen for you because you'll be saying, Lions instead of loins. And God does not answer because of the multitude of words. You look at Jesus. Be healed. Go. Come. He didn't waste words. Because it, 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 the, the, the ministry of angels is controlled by the economy of words. Words infused with the right energy from the spirit, the right faith. Oh, it energizes them, empowers them. And they have been created for that objective. To work with you. And you with them. 
in achieving the objectives of God. There is a life, my brothers and my sisters, beyond this world. It is there. It exists. It exists. And it is for you and me It's for you and me to pursue it. Let me read you one last scripture. All right? Verse number eight. Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil <coughs> of dignitaries. Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, did not bring against him a reviling judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. What is the Bible showing us there? Yeah? Here's Moses. Here's Moses. He's dead. All of a sudden, here's Satan, and here's Michael. And the Bible tells us they were contending for what? The body. They were wrestling for the body of Moses. And no matter how much Michael wanted to bash him on judgment, he couldn't. Why? Because of the rules of engagement. All he said to him was what? The Lord rebuke you. And Satan left. Was Moses fighting for his own body? Yeah? Who was contending for his body? Michael. Who was speaking on the behalf of his body? Who? Michael. It tells us that in the spirit, there are activities that go on around us. That go on concerning our lives. In this regard, it was about the body of Moses. But there are things about us that are taking place in the spirit. And angels are responsible for representing us against the enemies of God, against the foes of destiny. 
What more the confidence when our consciousness of the reality of those activities is strong, is strengthened. We need to grow. Huh? We need to grow. We need to grow and leave the elementary things and pursue perfection in the kingdom. Oh, imagine all the help we need, but we can't use it. Why? Ignorant. We are in the dark. But may God help us to know that there is a life beyond this world that we can participate in and have results in our world, in our lives, and have the will of God manifested, have the objectives of God established. This is the pathway. Every man in the Bible, you've seen great, or who became great, became great because he worked with the angels. No man from, from, from the patriarchs, from the forefathers, right up until Jesus, the apostles, and the church, ever attained a greatness in stature without the assistance and without working with the angels. You read every life, David, Solomon. Who do you think he saw? You think he saw God? No. The ministry of the Old Testament was executed by angels. Read your Bible in Hebrews. Jacob, Isaac, Abraham. All these attain stature with God because they learn to be cooperative with God and his angelic forces. Elijah, Elisha, Israel. It's time to grow. It's time to strengthen our faith and plunge in this reality of life. Otherwise, you'll go around defeated. One day, one lady coming home from church. So, you know, churches sometimes they finish late. <laughs> So she went to church. Church came out late and she had to walk home. So she, she decided to walk home. So she, so where she lives, kind of like a rough area. So there's, there are streets where they're rough. So she passed through the streets. And you know them. You know, started following her, started following her. And just as she turned the corner, she saw those guys hit it. She wondered, what? What's wrong? What happened? She went into the house. And the next day, one of the guys that were there came to her. And she said, my sister, 
who are those guys you were working with yesterday? Lady was like, what do you mean? He said, you're working with very serious guys and they were waiting for you around the corner. And then she realized that was the angel. One day, John G. Lake and his, his friend were going to minister the village. So that village had rules, huh? So when you enter that place, uh, you have to eat chopper meat that they hang there of a dead animal, dead calf, before you enter. So they closed their eyes and they got in. They ate, they got in. Never got sick, went to preach there. So what they were doing, they angered the chief, right? So the chief took them, put them in one heart, and he told them, you're going to die tomorrow. So they are there in the room and they want to die. They're thinking we're going to die. So at the dawn of, of, uh, of, of, of daybreak, morning, they heard the soldiers. Soldiers took them, they put them in the, uh, the field where they were going to chop them off. So they want to chop them off and hang them there at the entrance of the village. So they're on their knees, eyes closed. Right? So the warriors are coming and the chief. So they're on their knees. Right? And they are just, Lord, receive our soul. So eyes are wide closed. So they realize after some time that nothing's happening. It's all quiet. And they open their eyes. Everybody, including the chief and the warriors, were kneeling down before them. So they're looking at themselves. What's going on? These people are bowing. So the chief stands up and he says to them, We came here to kill you. But when we got here, we found four huge beings of light surrounding you. And we thought you must be one of the gods. And they said no, and they preached the gospel to them. These things have, have been happening for generations. The problem is that we are not conscious of it. It's like, the, it's like with the Holy Spirit. The less conscious you are of the Holy Spirit, the less of his works you will see. And these works have been happening for aeons, generations. It's time for you to access this place. You grow your business that way. You grow your life that way. You achieve God's plans and purposes for you that way. Where do you start? You start with words. You start in prayer. And as you grow, the Lord begins giving you words. And that's why praying sometimes in the Spirit is important because sometimes 
like what the Bible says, though I speak with tongues of angels, there is the dialect of angels. But we must believe. Hallelujah. We'll continue next week, all right? Let's all stand. Thank you, Jesus. Just, just pray. Just pray and bless the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank him. Thank him for his word, for his revelation and the understanding he is bringing to your life. Thank him for his word is true. Thank him. Thank him for his faithfulness. That even in your ignorance, he has had his angels work on your behalf and minister for you. Bless him. Open your mouth and bless the Lord. Thank you so much. Come on, come on, let's lift up our voices. Adoke behela. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. A few years ago, in my time with the Lord, the Spirit of God said to me, one of your assignments on earth is to work in close partnership with the angels. Back then, I didn't understand because I wasn't that exposed to the ministry. But the more I learned through the Word, through books, the Spirit of God brought me into that experience. And I think it's time we taught God's people how to function in that realm. You know, last week's service had such an impression on me, a strong impression. It stayed with me the entire week. And I realized how much we are missing out in the providence of God. And I think now the time really has come for us to, to learn and to enter the experience of angelic dimension. God said in prophecy that the time has come for man, for his children and the angels to work together as a team to achieve the objectives of God and that he would use some to work in the night. The Spirit is calling us. And I don't know if you can hear the call, but the Spirit is calling us. He's calling us to our rightful place. He's calling us 
nanans de vitra asele blonj a trektis, tad vi penestange sutra hasa sike de valahase. Lombrit de soratus elebantles, shenant restot levalis, eminos megang ang olamama alfemen kelen koshanset atni. Andombra atne mifektra akendo shielektra apelikliot at eisis, zo at eivres na ashkas kugra atne ligitre ego sovelas, yembrik tu seshele gletra sovshele trafosante. For I'm opening a door, says the Lord, a door of opportunity for all my children around the world. To experience and to become members of this new move I am bringing upon the earth. For ye, says the Spirit of the Living God, I yearn to give some a foretaste, a foretaste of what is to come, the first fruits of this move. For I see an increase of the operation of the armies and the host of heaven upon the earth. For they that have been sent out will now reveal themselves. For it has been written. Do not be weary of entertaining strangers. For some have entertained angels unawares. And yes, says the Spirit of the living God, even some here have entertained angels unawares, but now I'm bringing them into a closer dimension of this operation where the awareness will be granted that, yeah, I've entertained the angel of the Lord. For I see fire around the people of God. And the Lord said, you have entertained my angels of fire for far too long. Now the door is open. The veil is torn. The veil is torn. And if you will yield to my spirit, spirit and follow the leadings of my spirit, you will enter in and out of that dimension. For many destinies, many plans, many desires have gone unfulfilled because you have ignored this ministry, this precious inheritance that I provided for you. To walk the earth as victorious ones with the assistance of the superior kingdom. But now there's a call. There's a call to awaken. There's a call to arise. There's a call to ascend. And there's a call to enter the door. For the time is now. The first fruit of the move of the Spirit of God has been released upon the earth. Upon all the seven continents of the earth. The remnant has awoken. And now, line upon line, precept upon precept, 
I will guide them deeper. I will lead them further. Be one of those, says the Lord. The Spirit of God is calling us. In your times of prayer, call to them. Call to Him. Call to Him. And say, Lord, elect me. Grace me. Empower me. Help me learn the ways of the Spirit in this dimension. I told you, faith, faith, faith. Believe, believe, believe. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Move into it. Move into it. Move into it. Praise God. We'll continue next week. Hallelujah. <coughs> Bless God.